was a story I'd first read about as a child, in one of those books on local legends sold in the gift shops of museums and tourist traps scattered across Pennsylvania, and it may have been the very tale that ignited my curiosity of all things strange and tragic. It is a story about a haunted statue in a Lancaster cemetery, a statue of a young, beautiful woman that is said to come alive and descend from her pedestal when the moon is just right. It is the statue marking the grave of Augusta Harriet Bittner, a 21-year-old woman whose death in 1906 has spawned many a ghost story. It is also the story of a remarkable statue that, to this day, continues to attract scores of curious visitors. I no longer have a copy of that particular book of Lancaster County legends, but the way I recall the tale from memory, Augusta Harriet Bittner was a ravishing beauty and the only daughter of a wealthy merchant. On the day of her wedding, while showing off her exquisite matrimonial gown, she tripped over her dress, fell down the stairs, and died of a broken neck. Her parents were so distraught that they commissioned a well-known sculptor, whose name has been lost to history, to immortalize her in marble. A similar account of Harriet's tragic death appeared in the Lancaster Intelligencer Journal on October 12, 1990. The author states that the young woman died just after returning from her honeymoon when she tripped over her Victorian gown and fell down the stairs, resulting in a snapped neck. While the article makes no mention of the statue coming to life and going for a midnight stroll around the graveyard, it does state that the marble figure does take a step down from her pedestal at midnight on Halloween, and that if you hold the left hand of the statue on a dark night while holding a glass of water up to your ear, you will hear the sound of a woman screaming and a body tumbling down the stairs. If you were to visit the statue for yourself, it's easy to see how this legend might have come about. The woman depicted in the statue is every bit as breathtaking as claimed, and is wearing a long, flowing gown. She is depicted descending two marble steps, her slender body in a cautious but feminine pose, as if taking the last step of her life. The author of the Intelligencer article quoted a Millersville University professor of English, Sumner Germain, who stated that, for several years, he made a habit of taking students of his writing composition class to the cemetery to be inspired by the marble likeness of Augusta Harriet Bittner. Some of the best writing I've gotten at Millersville has come out of this statue, said Germain. She galvanizes people to write well, to write from the heart. So what is the truth about the young woman whose life was cut so tragically short? We'll find out after a brief message from our sponsor. Looking for some last-minute holiday gift ideas? Or how about something refreshingly crisp to ring in the new year? Try some delicious hard cider from Under the Bridge, a Lebanon-based, veteran-owned company offering an assortment of small-batch, handcrafted cider in a wide variety of exciting flavors, like Vanilla Twilight, Lemon Crush, and Strawberry Fields. Or spice things up with a bottle of Mayan Pilot, a dry cider infused with cacao nibs and just a hint of cayenne pepper. Or how about something soothing and smooth, like Meadow Dry Cider, infused with peppermint and spearmint. All varieties are naturally flavored, with no added sweeteners or preservatives. Not sure what to try? Under the Bridge has several 6 and 12 bottle variety packs. 
Go to underthebridgecider.com and be sure to use promo code CHAT10 at checkout for a special offer. That's C-H-A-T-1-0. Underthebridgecider.com The Bittners were a well-respected family throughout Lancaster County. Augusta's grandfather, for whom she was named, built a fortune for himself at the age of 17 by forming a partnership with his brother John and going into the business of transporting freight between Lancaster and Philadelphia. Charles Augustus Bittner and his brother dissolved their partnership in 1874, having accumulated enough savings to pursue separate interests. Charles Augustus invested in the city's first cotton mills and became a stockholder in many local ventures, such as the Lancaster Bolt Works, the Millersville Horse Railroad, and the Lancaster Watch Company, which was erected on land he donated. He was also the director of the company responsible for building the railroad to Quarryville, and was chairman of the Farmers' Northern Market Building Committee. Perhaps one reason why Augusta's grandfather was so industrious was because he knew that he wouldn't live long enough to fully realize the fruits of his labors. He suffered from a kidney disorder known as Bright's disease, which was virtually incurable and almost always fatal. Before passing away in December of 1884 at the age of 53, he took into partnership his son, Charles W., who, upon graduating from Westchester Normal School, began working as a freight agent for the Reading and Columbia Railroad. Charles Augustus Bittner succumbed to his illness while Augusta was still an infant. Augusta's father, Charles W. Bittner, inherited a great amount of wealth from Charles Augustus, but he was a determined businessman in his own right. For several years, despite his strict Moravian upbringing, Charles was involved in the tobacco trade, and later became a buyer and seller for Otto Eisenloren Brothers, a Philadelphia-based cigar manufacturer, which, by 1916, was valued at around $9 million, thanks to the popularity of its Cinco brand of cigars. This business success allowed Charles and his wife, Amelia, along with their infant daughter and the family housekeeper, to occupy a modestly elegant yellow brick home at 902 Marietta Avenue, just down the street from President Buchanan's Wheatland Estate. Like his father, Charles was also cursed with poor health, and would pass away in 1919 at just 57 years of age. As to the legend of Augusta Bittner's death, it did not take place on her wedding day, nor upon her return from her honeymoon. It did not involve tripping over a dress or breaking her neck. In fact, it didn't even take place in Lancaster County. Augusta received her schooling at St. Mary's Academy in Philadelphia, where she met and fell in love with a young businessman named Stanley Hart Tevis. They were married in Lancaster on May 3, 1905. The ceremony was conducted by Reverend Dr. H. A. Gerdson of the Moravian Church inside the parlor of the Bittner home on Marriott Avenue, with 30 guests in attendance, and Miss Maud Culp playing the wedding march on the family piano. After the reception, the newlyweds left Lancaster on a 715 train for a two-week honeymoon in upstate New York and Canada. The young couple moved into a simple townhouse 
at 4948 Larchwood Avenue in the up-and-coming West Philadelphia neighborhood of Garden Court. By the 1920s, Garden Court would be known as one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in the city, but at the turn of the 20th century, Garden Court was a fast-growing streetcar suburb, so named because electric trolleys provided a way for young professionals to commute to the downtown area. Stanley Tevis eventually obtained a position with the Gulf Oil Corporation, and he continued to work in the oil industry until the late 1950s. On Christmas Day of 1905, Augusta gave birth to a daughter named Sylvia. Sadly, mother and daughter would have a mere six months together before tragedy ripped them apart. In the spring of 1906, Augusta returned to Lancaster to visit her family and fell ill. She returned home and was diagnosed with typhoid fever. On the afternoon of May 8, 1906, a nurse hired by the Bittner family, Bertha Kurtz, left Lancaster for Philadelphia, and for a while it appeared that Augusta would pull through. However, her condition suddenly worsened, and on June 1st, a doctor sent a telegraph to Mr. Bittner, asking him to come to Philadelphia at once. Augusta passed away before her father could arrive at her bedside. Her death certificate from the city of Philadelphia lists her cause of death as intestinal hemorrhage with typhoid septicemia. In other words, to put the legend to rest once and for all, Augusta Bittner didn't die from a fall down the stairs, but from bacteria eating a hole in her small intestine and the contents of her stomach poisoning her own blood. Not quite as romantic as the Lancaster County myth, but a sad tragedy nonetheless. Augusta's body was sent back to Lancaster for burial. Records indicate that Charles and Amelia Bittner became the legal guardians of Sylvia Tevis soon thereafter. There have been some historians who argued that the statue at Lancaster Cemetery was carved by renowned American sculptor Augustus St. Gaudens, an artist famous for designing the St. Gaudens Double Eagle $20 gold piece and other coins. His sculptures of famous American historical figures can still be seen at Central Park, Boston Common, and Chicago's Grand Park. In 1970, the cemetery caretaker received a letter from John H. Dreifout, museum curator of the Augustus St. Gaudens historical site in Cornish, New Hampshire, who believed that the statue may have been one of St. Gaudens's creations. Dreifout had heard all about the statue in Lancaster and the many myths surrounding it. Many of these stories had been popularized by Mrs. W. Hensel Simpson, who was a childhood friend of Augusta Bittner. Mrs. Simpson claimed that she had been present in the room when Mr. Bittner commissioned St. Gaudens to carve the statue for the princely sum of $27,000. Dreifout researched this claim, but found no record of any such transaction, even though the sculptor's son had kept meticulous records of his father's commissions. His study of the statue itself also poked a hole in this legend. According to the museum curator, the Art Nouveau style of the monument was not consistent with the Beaux-Arts style of St. Gaudens. St. Gaudens died in New Hampshire on August 3, 1907, after a seven-year battle with cancer. As the sculptor's death took place just four days before the statue arrived in Lancaster, 
it's extremely unlikely that St. Gaudens, who was bedridden at his home in Cornish and on the very brink of death, would have had the energy to produce such a marvelous masterpiece. The stunning Italian marble monument marking Augusta's gravesite was erected at Lancaster Cemetery on April 7, 1907, just one day after it had been furnished by the Leland and Hall Company of New York, the leading mausoleum and statuary firm in the country. According to company records, the marble statue, six feet and five inches in height, was carved at one of the company's studios in Pietrasanta, Italy, and was probably the handiwork of several different sculptors under contract with Leland and Hall. Proof of this can be seen in the monument's various features. While the statue itself is Italian marble, the steps are of bar granite from Vermont, and the ivy around the shaft of the adjoining pillar is made of bronze. While the legend of Augusta Harriet Bittner's death and the legend of the living statue are easily disproven, there are other aspects of Bittner family history that are strangely intriguing. There's the family history of kidney disease, which led Charles A. and Charles W. to premature deaths. And then there's the chapel. In December of 1908, ground was broken at the corner of Franklin Street and Park Avenue for a chapel constructed through the generosity of the Bittners as a tribute to their beloved daughter. This chapel, which was to be named after Augusta, was intended as the home to the Rossmere Congregation of the Moravian Church, under the charge of Reverend F. W. Wansel. The December 5, 1908 edition of the Lancaster Semi-Weekly New Era reported that, despite the cold weather, a large number of people were on hand to witness the groundbreaking ceremony, and that the first spadeful of dirt was churned up by Sylvia Tevis. The article concluded, The chapel will be of Hummelstown brownstone, with tower, built in the Old English style of architecture. It will be erected with as little delay as possible. The large plot of land, which was once the site of McGrand Park, was directly opposite the Clay Street School Building. Up until 1907, this sprawling expanse of open field was where circuses and carnivals were held. But for one reason or another, construction ceased the following year, and the Augusta Bittner Tevis Memorial Chapel was never built. The Rossmere Moravian Mission closed, and Reverend Wansel departed for Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Perhaps one reason for this was financial hardship. Aside from the staggering cost of the cemetery monument, there was a fire on April 10, 1909, which completely gutted the Bittner's tobacco warehouse, resulting in the loss of several buildings and 1,300 cases of tobacco. The mysterious fire, which was believed to be the work of arsonists, resulted in damages exceeding $100,000, or the equivalent of nearly $3 million in today's currency. Oddly, the fire might have been contained if only the alarm had functioned properly. The Lancaster Intelligencer newspaper reported, Frank Rittenhouse was on his way home when he saw the smoke, and upon making an examination found that the warehouse was on fire. He went to firebox number 15, which is located a short distance west of the building, but he did not understand how to send in the alarm, as he had never done anything of the kind before. He must have pulled the lever too often, 
and the result was that a badly mixed up alarm was sounded. All kinds of numbers were struck, and the firemen were at a loss to know where to go for a considerable time. Although the warehouse was insured, Bittner never received the payout because of the suspicious nature of the fire, and he spent the next several years waging a legal battle against six different insurance companies, to no avail. In 1912, he was sued by George Newman, a former business partner from Philadelphia. By 1914, Bittner was severely in debt and had no choice but to file for bankruptcy. A notice in the March 21, 1914 edition of the Lancaster Intelligencer lists his home and warehouse for public sale at auction, and at the time of his death five years later, he and his wife had relocated to a humble row home at 134 Pearl Street. Sylvia Tevis, who was a mere infant when her mother passed away, eventually moved to Florida and married a liquor store operator named Guy Raspberry, who was several years her junior, and they moved to Fort Lauderdale, only to have their home completely destroyed by Hurricane Betsy in 1965. She died in 1976 at the age of 70, thus putting the final nail in the coffin of the once prosperous Bittner family. As for Stanley Hart Tevis, he remarried shortly after the death of Augusta Bittner and moved to Westminster, Maryland, where he founded a successful Gulf Oil distributorship. His second wife bore him a son and a daughter. Stanley Tevis Jr. took over the family business upon his father's retirement, and the daughter, Dorothea, went on to become a Drexel Hill socialite, and later, the wife of Baltimore Colts president and legendary general manager, Donald Stafford Red Collette. If you enjoyed this podcast, look for my latest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 2, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com, or through the Sunbury Press website at www.sunburypressstore.com. The Pennsylvania Oddities podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Find the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite programs. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month.